0: This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Thanks so much for tuning in to this conversation featuring Ben Ryan, who was in Cradle of Filth in the early 90s. Now, as many of you watching and listening will know, I am collecting interviews with as many of the ex-members of 90s-era Cradle of Filth as I can. Now on socials and in some of the videos that I've already posted, I issued the call and listener Thomas Moore was tuned in and he sent me a link to Ben Ryan's LinkedIn account. One thing led to another and Ben graciously agreed to appear on the show. Now Ben is the very first keyboard player in the group. There was nobody before him. He appeared on all three demos and the album that kicked it all off, the 1994 release, The Principle of Evil Made Flesh. Now, there's not much that I want to share in the introduction because Ben and I cover a bunch of topics from his time in the group, so you'll just have to stick around and listen to what he has to say. I will say this, though. Ben is a good bloke, and I truly enjoyed our conversation, and I hope you do too. So here he is, Ben Ryan from Cradle of Filth. Thanks a lot for doing this, by the way. There's going to be... No um, worries, man. There's... Just so as you know, mate, there's a ton of interest in '90 Zero Cradle of Filth.' Oh, is that?
1: <laughs>
0: Look, I've, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm a subject matter expert, but I kind of fall into this role just because of my interest in the band's music. Right, My teenage years, and I'm now in my mid-40s, but there's a ton right. of people out there that are like me, you know, with mortgages, kids, yeah. all of the usual pressures, pressures and stresses that those that, of us that did launch were not failure yeah. to launch, we did launch, you know, we're regular and participative members of society. But we yeah. have these very strong memories and feelings toward the era of the band that you were a big part of.
1: Oh, Cool. Well, that's good to hear, man. I mean, you know, it's, it's a long time ago for me. I've been doing, I've gone in all sorts of different directions since then, you know. So it's, uh, you know, for me, it's it's one of them things. It's sort of, it's always been there. Occasionally I run into someone who's interested and says nice things or someone sends me a link of something interesting. But in terms of actually doing anything with uh, with Cradle, it's like 25 plus years, you know. So, um, you know, so, but it's, yeah, it's nice. I'm I'm pleased people are still interested, you know, it's cool.
0: Yeah, so do you get many people like me, podcasters, videocasters, that sort of thing, reaching out to you, wanting to have conversations?
1: Not really. No, I mean, I avoided it for a long time. To be fair, I avoided it. Um, I just uh, couldn't be doing with it. When I got sort of got out of the music industry, I was just like, I just wanted to do anything else. You know, I started, uh, as we all do, started getting involved in bands and stuff because I loved it. And I ended up not really enjoying it, and do, it was a paycheck, you know, and not a very good one. So it was like I just sort of left it behind and couldn't be doing with it, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, so I so I kind of ignored it for a long time, and I, I never, I don't think I ever ignored anyone. If anyone reached out to me, I sort of said hello, no thanks but no thanks, you know. But. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. So one, I did see one thing written online saying I don't get involved with Cradle fans and stuff like that. So which I don't think I've ever sort of consciously done, but I haven't also gone out of my way to do anything about it. You know, so
0: it's a, it's a very weird band. It's got to be said mm. at this point in time. Uh, more members have come and gone from that band. More tenured members, <laughs> I might add, not just session members, because plenty of bands have one person yeah. and other people coming in and yeah. There the background and even in the foreground, but with Cradle. Yeah. uh, I think I've, let me go to my notes. How many, I did a recent count, 41 current (laughs) and former members. Really? (laughs) Right. It's amazing from the perspective that the band has been able to keep going, but there are reasons behind that because I've got some insight. You know, I've spoken to uh, Paul, your former bandmate, Nick. Yeah, Paul Allender. Yeah, Paul Paul Allender. yeah, Yeah, yeah. He shared a lot with me. A lot, that <laughs> he asked me not to, yeah, a lot that he asked me not to broadcast actually. Yeah. So I had a chat yeah. to him. It was all about his new outfit because he's living in the states now.
1: Yeah, so I heard. Yeah, I ran into Paul about God like ten years ago or something, and it was right near the airport, near Stansted Airport, and it was just in the garage. Like I was just going and getting some fuel, and he was on a motorbike and he was just getting fuel. I had a quick chat, but he was like, he was in a hurry. I was in a hurry, so that's. I think that's the last time I actually spoke to him. Like, but, uh, yeah, I think he said then that he was either he was either going out to the States a lot or he was living there or something. Um,
0: um, yeah, no, he's over so, there yeah. now. He's, he's he's basically got a new life as far as I can see. I mean, I didn't know yeah. him clearly in the cradle days. I don't know him now, but I know what he's told yeah. me about what's going on in his life. And he's, right. he's reforged himself over there and uh, got a new band called the Unnamed Baskers. Tories. And yeah. Nick is still banging around, literally, in different bands. And Nick Barker. Yeah, yeah.
1: Right. I have, I have literally haven't seen Nick since uh, probably about three or four years after leaving Crodel. I ran into a download, um, but uh, you know, he said hello and stuff. Um, but uh, but that was it. That's that's like yeah, I haven't seen Nick since then, really. So,
0: look, it, it brings me to to the reason that I wanted to have a chat because I've never yeah. spoken to a foundation member of the. I, I spoke to Danny, but that's a bit of a different story, right? <laughs> <laughs> Meaning that it was impressive. It well, it was for a presser and actually so strange. Tonight, I've got a chat with him. Oh, right. Yeah, it's, it's, he's got a new album out. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head at the moment, right. but it's very, is that much with,
1: uh, with Cradle? Cause he's got a, sorry, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Google broadcast going on. Hang on. Um, yeah, is that a new Cradle album? Cause he had another you, project at one point. No, he, he? He,
0: Devilment, I think is his name. Of his That's it. Projects. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh.
0: This is definitely with Cradle, though. And um, uh, he's your, right. your successor about 15, I think nine or 10 times removed I <laughs> Right. Say, uh, uh, Annabelle Aratni, I think, or Ertani, I think her name is. She, <laughs> we had three conversations lined up through Nuclear Blast, the agent right. in Australia, and she didn't make any of them. So. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. There was also, they were cancelled in advance, sort of thing. So I wanted that to, yeah. to her. And I wasn't going to grill yeah. her, but. I mean, she's joined a band where it's synonymous for having plenty of ex-members. So I wanted to mm. get her take on what she thought yeah. her role would be moving forward. You know, but sorry, yeah. I'll, I'll get, I'll digress and I'll get back to you. But this, yeah, no worries, man. Outside of Danny, you, this is the first time I've had a, a conversation with a foundation member, which you are, right? Right, yeah. And you were there at the at the very, very
1: beginning. Yeah, yeah nobody yeah.
0: in the band played keyboards before you.
1: No, no, no.
0: You're it. You're the alpha and the omega as far as, as, far as that's <laughs> concerned. And um, and I've already mentioned, look, I'm more or less collecting conversations with the group's 90s members. And and the view yeah. ultimately is to potentially write a book because there's nice. massive interest in doing that out there. The nice. appetite amongst, as I say, the fans. Um, and, and I want to just set the scene for people that might be uh, watching and uh, listening here that you wrote and performed on the studio debut, The Principle of Evil Made Flesh.
1: Yeah, yeah, the de- yeah. No, I mean, uh, like, uh, like, and the demos. Like, I mean, Dan and my brother yeah. went to school together, and they were in a band. Uh, well, they were in a few different projects and things like that. And they were they were going out under the name Burial, and um, uh, they were doing this this demo like under the name Burial, and they said like the the uh, I think it was, I think it was Paradise Lost Gothic. And they played it to me and they were like, can you do like something like this? We like had, like the contrast between the, the um, you know, the orchestral stuff and um, uh, the metal stuff. So, um, yeah, so like they were recording on a four track in my brother's room. So I went up and just sort of played some stuff and jammed some stuff and whatever. And that was like the third, what became the first demo, which I think was Orgiastic Pleasures Foul, I think was the first one i think the first uh, or, one was uh, invoking invoking the unclean, the unclean. Yeah. yeah 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 so that was that and that was done in my brother's room and uh before it came out we found out a band in uh bolton called burial who uh you know they were going out they were gigging and stuff so uh, they decided to change the name so yeah that was my first sort of involvement with it and uh Sort of, yeah, just I was kind of like a part time member slash roadie slash, you know, hanger on whatever. Just like went to went to the gigs and like, you know, was involved in the band sort of, you know, in in that sort of capacity. Then they did another demo and said, well, let's, you know, like write some songs with us or like get more involved before we've written the song sort of thing. And then um, after that, I, uh, we, I started playing live with them and doing stuff with them live and writing and rehearsing and stuff with them. And um, so and that led to Total Fucking Darkness, which was like the first sort of, uh, I suppose, that, that sort of showcase where it was going from there. Up until that, it was, you know, a bit sort of just messing around, like, you know, Paul and Dan's project. They were just having a bit of a laugh and getting me to play some keyboards on it, you know? Mm-hmm. So... And when you say Paul Sorry, you're about, second: Andrew. Yeah, sure. yeah of course you can. Yeah. Um, when you
0: say Paul, you're talking about your brother, not Paul Allender.
1: Oh yeah. yeah, yeah yeah.: Because
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, I think people need, need to understand that that it was actually Paul Ryan, your brother, and Danny yeah. who started the band. And um, between the two of them, if you were asked to pick a member who actually was the motivation behind even starting a band, would it be your brother or would it be Danny?
1: uh it'd be hard to say really they were both active in lots of different bands and projects and jamming with people and um you know they they were um you know both had very strong ideas of stuff they wanted to do yeah no i mean they, they were both uh you know involved in all sorts of bands and projects and sort of you know like school bands really you know like we, we we're all just mates at school and we all just sort of um, jammed with each other and went and saw each other's bands and and he was sort of uh, into sort of underground bands and stuff as well but mainly he was sort of uh, uh, you know kind of you know loved Slayer and like you know guitar bands you know like with, with good mm. extreme guitar players you know um, Napalm Death and uh, Death and you know just cool stuff like that um, and uh, you know Dan was always into sort of a lot more um, uh, sort of not diverse, because Paul's also got really diverse tastes into all sorts of things, but Dan was into, um, you know, more sort of uh, horror-y stuff. I suppose the stuff that you would associate with Cradle as an image is, uh, you know, more uh, aligned to the stuff that Dan was already into. Um, so and that was that was already sort of a partnership between them at the time. You know, when I first started uh, playing on the things, they knew that that's kind of the two main... Elements of uh, where they were going with it was was you know extreme metal, but something a bit dark about it as well, you know. Yeah, so for sure.
0: yeah. So did Paul bring did Paul write most of that music back then?
1: Yeah. oh yeah. I mean at, at that point, uh, Paul wrote all the music and Dan wrote all the lyrics. and then you know on that first demo, they just called me in with completed songs and showed me the chords and I just you know sort of played some bits over what they had uh, what they had written sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, I believe, I'm just trying to think back to what order it happened in, around that period, John Pritchard joined the band who Mm -hmm. lived uh, in the same town as uh, as Dan, uh, was a friend of Dan's. Um, I don't know how much he was involved in the writing of it um specifically i think you know we're, it was always a democracy in terms of everyone was welcome to bring ideas to the table and there was no ne- it was never like oh this is my band you can't write for it or any nonsense like that it was like if you had a, had an idea if you had a riff if you had a you know a, anything really you could bring it to the table and everyone would sort of um, look at it with a with an open mind and um so and i think i don't know if john or darren joined first but darren garden the first drummer they sort of joined it around the same sort of time. It sort of, that's when it sort of became a proper band and they started doing gigs and I'd sort of go along and, and see the gigs and stuff. So
0: Okay, rightio. So they were playing, they needed the keyboard player because they wanted a point of difference in and amongst all of the other bands yeah. Like yeah. happening in extreme and, and black metal at that time. Yeah, because yeah. your, your keys are a significant aspect of what – Made the principle of evil made flesh stand out against a lot of the Scandinavian stuff. So were, were you given complete artistic license? To write, say I can't remember the name of the yeah. introduction, the introductory tune on the yeah. album, but you know that lovely. I mean, within, within
1: reason, yeah. I mean, it was the same. It was the same uh, vibe as I could bring anything to the table, but so could they, you know. So, you know, Paul might say, "Oh, I heard this movie soundtrack. Listen to this. That's kind of got a cool sound to it." And I'd, you know, take that on board as and try and incorporate that in something, or or Dan could. And when I was writing the stuff, other people would uh, would come and listen to what I was doing and say oh, like I I like how this bit goes, but, uh, you know, uh, how about if it went in this direction or how about if if it went down there instead of up? Or, you know, so it was kind of collaborative, you know, but at the same time, no one ever told me you must do this or you can't do that. It was, uh, you know, I was was basically allowed to do whatever I wanted and everyone else was allowed to sort of have input into it.
0: So what were the circumstances around yourself and your brother's departure? Because if I'm not mistaken, mistaken, you're left at the same time.
1: Yeah. Um me and Paul and Paul Allender all left uh, at the same time. Um it's a long time ago and I'm I don't really want to rake over old coals and drag up, you know, specifics and old old crap, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it turned from what I was just describing to you was a load of mates making some cool music and doing some cool stuff, you know, and people liked what we were doing. And, you know, we got the t-shirts, we came up with the, you know, the first fuck your God t-shirts. And then the Jesus is a cunt t-shirts and it sort of, you know, it all took off and we were still all just mates having a laugh and, you know, writing some cool music and going and doing gigs and, you know, blagging away onto tours and stuff like that, you know, and at a certain point it tipped into being, there was people around us who they weren't there in the beginning and they didn't have the same ethos as us. And it was, uh, it became very businesslike and we didn't notice at the time. or at least not all of us noticed. Some of us might've noticed. I didn't notice. And it was just all of a sudden, there was this machine around us and we were like, uh okay this is not quite what we signed up for and you know there was factions and you know people instead of it as we were all on one side up until certainly until uh around the principal recording period we were all on the same side and around that period um it started to become that we weren't all on the same side people had uh, not just within the band, but people surrounding the band—you know, people within the business side of things—had their own agendas, and uh, it wasn't really um, uh, a nice environment to be in. Uh, that, and that was it, really. It just wasn't a nice environment to be in anymore. Um, and bit by bit, it it became toxic, you know. And um, it, it got to a point where. There was some there was clearly some shit wrong, you know, there was some stuff happening that we had no idea about and we had no saying This was me, uh, Paul and Paul. Um, we had a conversation at, at a rehearsal, everyone left the rehearsal room to, I don't know, would go and do whatever. And the three of us sat down and we're like, Have you noticed this? And we sort of had this conversation, and it was like, Yeah, this is this is not fucking cool. Um and, uh, yeah, Paul and Paul had said that they'd already had a conversation and they'd decided they were going to leave. And I said, well, I'm not staying in the band if you guys are leaving. And so, so we left and started a new band. Um, what was the name so, of the band? The Blood Divine.
0: Of course. Yeah, yeah. And that was, that's yeah. More, more of an extreme metal project, isn't it, in the true sense of the word?
1: I guess so. I guess so. It was kind of yeah, it was it uh, um it was more um bluesy and stonery influenced. Oh wow um okay. yep. uh yeah so I mean you know we sort of had uh I played uh you know like there's a Hammond we hired for the for the second album for the Blood Divine, hired a Hammond organ. Um and uh, you know, we're using all sorts of sounds like that, you know. Um so it was kind of it was very different from Cradle. But at the same time, it was still, you know, still a heavy band. Um,
0: yeah, it's it just sounds like this this theme has come up constantly with ex members. It just sounds like, and you haven't said this, I'm reading into it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: as though decisions were made to place Danny at the centre of the band, both from a as as the focal point, as the band's spokesperson, and from a business yeah. perspective as well.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm not so, going to argue with that. So was Faye Wolven involved in the group toward the no, end of the I've,
1: No, I've, I've never met Faye. As far as I'm aware, I've never met her. I might have said hello to her at a party or something at some point, but as far as I'm aware, I've never met Faye, no.
0: It sounds as though, and again, I'm just we're just talking here. I'm not making any yeah. certain accusations or assumptions here. Sure, we're just talking. Yeah. Okay. It sounds as though when Faye got involved, okay, she had some ambitions for the group. And that's when the band started to becoming more like Danny in the Filth with Les, you know, your successor twice removed. Yeah. uh, Famously (laughs) quipped back in the day. Yeah. Because I I don't, I mean, that's when you started to see the t shirts with him as a focal point, as the singular, as opposed to the band. Yeah. I
1: I mean, I stopped paying attention, to be honest. Like, so I don't know. I mean, I saw some of what happened after we left because we were still in the magazines and we'd, you know, we'd, we'd, do an interview and get the copy of the magazine with our interview and see there'd be a cradle interview in there as well um so it's not like i was completely oblivious to that they were still about and still doing stuff but i just moved on it wasn't really that interesting to me um and you know as far as i could see um you know me paul and paul had written the majority of the music i mean entirely really, like the, um, up until Dusk and her Embrace and including Dusk and her Embrace, yeah. we'd written, we'd written everything, bar a few little bits and pieces here and there where, um, you know, John, uh, Kennedy, uh, the bass player, um, was, he was, he was massively involved in the, in the Dusk pre-production and stuff like that. So he contributed, he's, he was no small part of that era. Um, but you know, a lot of the music was already written when John got on board, um, so essentially up until that point between me, Paul and Paul, we'd written all the music and so it kind of seems right to me that in in some respects the the three remaining people would be more of a focus than any new people joining uh, I mean I've not really thought i not really thought about it, but it didn't strike me as odd at the time that Dan was at the front in you know in this line he's, he's the front man isn't he you know he's the singer so that's mm. that's kind of you know how how it often goes anyway, you know so, yeah, agreed.
0: Yeah, it's not unusual that it goes like that. It's just it's yeah, with the amount of the the lend usually bands that have the turnover the cradle of Phil have, they don't last that long. Yeah. But but cradle has. I mean, I'll give yeah, you yeah, yeah. massive credit for that. I mean, it's 30 oh, years or something. Pass like off, off
1: to him, man. Me. I mean, he's relentless, you know, he's 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 absolutely kept it going and he's you know, yeah, he's not not thrown the towel in. And you know, I'm sure I'm sure it's been straight with that much turnover, I'm sure that's been a stressful thing because you know, it takes time and effort and energy to um you know to train people up and get them to learn material and it changes the dynamic of the band And um, you know so yeah fair play to him you know he's he's kept going and mm. um they're still they're still doing stuff so um But yeah, and he's, you know, but Dan's always been uh, a hard worker, you know, even back in the day when, when it was all just fun, you know, Dan did loads of, um, you know, letter writing to people. It was back in tape trading, you know, we we were, we were sort of uh, sending tape lists and, uh, you know, uh, exchanging tapes with people. And and Dan was always, you know, the most prolific amongst us in terms of writing letters and being in contact with people because he works hard. So, you know, fair play.
0: Yeah, he's a a, Um, a natural marketer and communicator,
1: isn't he? He is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he is, and he's a likeable guy as well. He's charismatic. You know, i always got on great with Dan. You know, politics aside and, you know, all the falling out and leaving the band and all that that business aside, me and Dan always got on great. Um, So, you know, I don't – had you asked me 20 years ago – uh, there, there was, uh, you know, probably axes to grind and things. I would have said that would have been less complimentary. But these days, I'm like, it's it's so long ago. I don't, you know, it's it's history. Um, and uh, yeah, no, we we always got, we had very similar tastes in uh, a lot of music. You know, we both uh, recording uh, dusk and her embrace. We uh, um, listened endlessly to loads of the same albums, like War of the Worlds. You know, Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds. Of course, loved it. Yeah. Um, yeah so that was on constant rotation um, and the Edward Scissorhands soundtrack you know Danny Elfman um, and the Dracula soundtrack you know Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula and I can never never pronounce the the composer's name so I'm not even going to try and um, uh, uh, attempt it Um, but there was you know there was a load of music that we just had on constant rotation and and we were you know both sort of listening to all those things other music was going on as well but if you know, if me or Dan were putting something on it, it'd be like one of those albums. A Type Negative, Bloody Kisses, as well, was uh, was sort of on constant rotation as well. Um,
0: yeah, I'd read that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, you know, yeah. So it was, it, it was all cool. It was all cool until it wasn't. You know, um, and uh, we we were all mates until we weren't. You know, so. It's, indiv- it's, it's interesting hearing
0: your perspective on Danny. I know it's been it's been 25 years or longer yeah, think, since you've been... Yeah, I mean, literally haven't spoken it. to Dan
1: in 25 years. So, you know... But uh, look, well, and-
0: since I've been doing these conversations, I've had people reach out to me that that say, mm. I've got no reason to not believe them simply because of the insight that they've given to me based on... Yeah, me. yeah. They've, they've seen my interviews and said, hey, look, I was in a band that toured with Cradle back in the day or I was mates with, yeah. with whoever, whichever band mate, band member it might have been. Yeah. Um, and I've got to be frank. most described Danny as a deeply unpleasant individual, right. um, saying, well, "Yeah, saying that if you weren't, yeah. their observations were if you weren't useful to him, he already yeah. ignored you." But your assessment is that it it wasn't like that for you.
1: Not on the inside. I mean, maybe on the outside it was. I don't know. Um, and you know, I, yeah, absolutely. Like Dan is very pragmatic, and he doesn't um, he doesn't suffer fools, you know, and. uh he certainly can be someone who would um, uh, be aware of opportunities around him and who to be friends with and, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, to an extent, don't we all, you know, we're, you know, we're all friendly to people that are uh, potentially useful to us or, you know, can do some nice things for us. Do you know what I mean? It's, um, but I never found Dan to be exclusively like that any more than anyone else, certainly less than a lot of people in the music industry, you know. and he was always cool with me, so I can't, you know, uh, I can't say uh, more than that about it, really. You know, I know I know there's a lot of people that have uh, um, axes to grind and things to say. I can't comment on it. It's uh, I can only I can only really say what my experience was. Falling out, you know, falling out with people is shit. You know, um, falling out with people you've been friends with for a long time is going to get emotional. It's going to get personal, but you know 25 years ago so what you know um yeah, so but mean, up until
0: uh, i mean you've gone uh, on uh, to lead a, a, a successful life i mean it's one of those things yeah. where it's it's probably just so far in the review mirror at this point there's no point in having any access totally to totally to is it
1: yeah no it's it's a cool thing you know it's uh once in a while i'll meet someone and it's interesting you know i'm like how cool is it that something I haven't even touched for 25 years, like occasionally I meet someone and they're interested in it, you know, and they want to talk about it. And that's pretty cool. You know? So um,
0: perspective. Yeah, indeed. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, So, and I learned a lot and I had a, Fucking brilliant time, you know. We went on tour all over the place, and we went. We met all sorts of interesting people, you know, famous and not famous. You know, we met all sorts of interesting people, saw all sorts of interesting places, you know, and at an interesting time as well. You know, we went to East Germany, and uh, um, when the wall had not long been down, it was still East Germany, although politically it was united you could tell it was east germany you know versus what you got in west germany you know and we went to poland when it was not much different you know and uh you know so there's there's um you know we we had a cool time we did some cool things um you know partied a lot um you know played some cool gigs and uh i look back on that time broadly fondly you know mistakes were made you know um both on a business front and a friendship front everyone fucked up on on some level or another um about how things were managed but it was a difficult situation we were a bunch of kids in a difficult situation you know so so what you know
0: mm-hmm. hey what, what are your recollections of the contract that was signed with cacophonus records because that seemed oh, to be yeah
1: well um yeah, uh, I try not to hold on to shit, you know. <laughs> is, that, is that a polite way of putting it? Um, I've never been paid a single fucking penny for principle of evil made flesh. Um, so, you know, make of that what you will. Can, really. can
0: you offer any deep insight into the contract itself, though? Because, yeah, I mean, it, it caused, this, it caused the, re-recording of, the re-recording of Dusk and Her Embrace, which effectively yeah. broke the band yeah. worldwide.
1: Yeah. Um, It's difficult to remember. It was complicated, you know, Um, as I understand it, we went in and recorded uh, Dusk and it was between recording it and it getting released that me, Paul and Paul left the band Mm. and it was still tied to Cacophonous and um the band didn't want to be we, we didn't want to be with cacophonous records at that point we you know we had this what we thought was a fucking great album and we didn't want to be tied to this record company who we felt weren't um to put it politely weren't the best place for us to be you know um so there was talk even at that point so can we get out of this contract can we sell the album to someone else what do we need to do to move on to a different company um and uh yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. We left the band, and then it wasn't our problem anymore, you know. So, um, what,
0: what was when you say Karkoff wasn't the best place for Cradle? What was the what were the key issues
1: as you saw them? Um, uh, I think they didn't really uh, certain aspects of it. I mean, Neil, uh, the uh, Nihil, I think most people call him um he was all right you know he was an all right guy and he he knew that that we had potential and that that stuff could be done but i don't think everyone at the company realized that they were um uh just trying to think how, how to how to put it there was a lot of potential there you know and not everyone at the company realized it and with all the internal conflicts in the band it, it was very difficult to manage that on top of everything else you know um so but i mean you know broadly speaking we were a bunch of kids who signed a record contract because someone came along and said oh, i really like what you're doing can you sign yeah. this and we'll put a record out and we went oh fucking yeah I'll i'll put a record out and then surprise surprise two years later three years later we weren't very happy with that contract that we signed you know so um, that's that's it, really. You know, um, it was it was not a not a great contract, and uh, I've never been paid. So yeah, you know, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that. What, what about the the merchandise side of things? Did you have much of a say? Because I mean, that's what. That's, I mean, the music's one thing, but, I mean, yeah, you couldn't go to an extreme metal gig back in the 90s as I used to without seeing another yeah. Cradle of Filth T-shirt. They're yeah, almost yeah, anywhere yeah, yeah. in the world. I've seen the videos yeah. online. You've seen them. You go to a yeah. Marduk yeah, show yeah. or a whatever yeah. other extreme metal band, there's there's people there with Cradle of Filth T-shirts. So mm. the marketing side of things with the merch was, was extremely important, and did you yeah. have a lot of say in that?
1: Uh, yeah, in the early days. I mean, again, it's one of those things when it was good, it was good, you know, and when it turned shit. You know, it, it wasn't, you know. Um, but yeah, we, uh, the Fuck Your God t-shirts, we were um, uh, still, I think we were still unsigned at that point. I think we were talking to a couple of different companies. We did a, a thing for a company called Tombstone Records. I don't know how much you know about the, the Goetia, I think it was was the name of it. But we no, recorded an album. No, yeah, we recorded an album called the Goetia, um, or the Goetia, I think some people call it. I recorded it in a studio in Ipswich. Um, and I think it was around that period that we first came up with the Fuck Your God t-shirts. But yeah, so this company, uh, Tombstone Records in Newcastle, I think they were, um, they booked the studio 10 days in um, Springvale Studios in Ipswich. And we went in and we did the 10 days. And the guy from the company was supposed to come down and pay for it on the last day of the recording. And uh, he phoned up the recording studio like a day before or something and said "Uh, sorry I can't make it down now can you just send the tapes up to me and I'll send a check to you and the guy at the studio quite reasonably said no I fucking can't come down and pay for your recording session you know
0: yeah
1: um uh so, so he kept hold of the tapes, and then there was this bit of a standoff. No, no contract ever appeared with Tombstone Records. Nobody from Tombstone Records ever appeared. I don't even know if they were a real company. I don't know what the fuck was going on. Um, and uh, it sat that album sat there. That was obviously like between Total Fucking Darkness and Principle of Evil Made Flesh, and it sat in uh, Mark's studio for months and months and months. Um, and then Mark needed to uh, record a band and ran out of tape and recorded over it because because uh, he needed the tape. Um, so yes, yeah, so there's like there's like two songs floating about, three sort of like premix, you know, rough mixes that came out of that um, that are floating about. I think there was a, there was a, a dusk the reissue of dusk. I think might have had a couple of those songs on it. Um, but um, yeah, so it was about that about that time um that uh, we were all uh, like we we had a t-shirt out um with the old logo which i don't know if you've seen the old logo it's kind of all splatter kind of gore yeah, kind I of have. yeah yeah so it was like I had a t-shirt out with with that on it um and uh, we were we were just having a conversation. We were getting drunk in Christchurch Park in Ipswich, and uh, we were having a conversation about like offensive t-shirts, you know, and, and like punks, you know, how the punks were offensive for the sake of being offensive, and it sold a lot of records. The fact that the Sex Pistols and other bands of their era and ilk were just offensive for the sake of it, you know. And mm-hmm. um, we were we were having a conversation. What could we print on a t-shirt that would just be offensive, just for the sake of it? And you know we just came up with all these different slogans of which Fuck Your God became the one that went on a t-shirt. And we didn't think much of it, we just thought it was funny, you know? And uh, we had a, had a gig, uh, I think it was with Paradise Lost, their name comes up again, I, mean, I think it was with Paradise Lost in Liverpool. And, um, we got, uh, 30 t-shirts made and we were like, I can't remember, like a few hundred quid or whatever it cost us to have these t-shirts made. And we were like, we borrowed it off one of our dads or so. Do you know what I mean? We'd like someone else paid for our t-shirts and we think we better fucking sell some of these t-shirts because otherwise we're going to, um, you know, owe someone's dad some money, you know, um, and, uh, went up there and before we'd even gone on stage, we'd sold all 30 of them. Uh, no one had even heard us. Or maybe, maybe they had them. There were some people that had the demo or something, but we hadn't even gone on stage and we sold all 30 t shirts. So, like the next gig, we got 60 printed um, and we sold all them before we went on stage as well. Yes. And it was like, okay, we, we're kind of onto something now, you know? So um, so we, we carried on selling them for a while. And then we were like, well, can we have another? What, what else can we say? What's more offensive than fuck your God? Um, and I think it was my brother that came up with Jesus is a cunt. And uh, it was like, yeah, like, fuck, yeah, you know, we'll we'll have that on a shirt So, and that was really like, that was what kicked it off, really. Like, the ball really started rolling when those T-shirts came out. We were doing all right, you know. People liked what we were doing and we were getting some interest and we were talking to some record companies and, you know, things were going okay. But us and dozens of other bands in the scene were also doing okay and doing gigs and whatever. But those T-shirts just really uh, sort of kicked it off to another level, really. So...
0: And then the fella got arrested and it just it made national news.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, what was it, uh, Paul something, the guy's name? I met him something, at one of the yeah. gigs. Um, he came along to one of the gigs uh, and said who he was. But, uh, excuse me, yeah.
0: Yeah, he got arrested was, in uh, in in the London version of this is an absurd uh, comparison, but I just can't remember the name of the place. But uh, London's version of Fortitude Valley here in Brisbane, which is sort right. Is a, uh, think, a
1: was it Rygate Cemetery? I think he was. Was he in Rygate? Was oh,
0: Cemetery? Was it? Okay, I thought he was in a nightclub
1: district. Oh, was it? Danny, I don't
0: know. Danny, could I remember be. reading. Danny's i could have entirely
1: was- made that up i don't know <laughs> i don't know i thought it was a cemetery was there was there some vandalism i might be confusing there was some vandalism to a cemetery around the same time that we got blamed for that might have been what i'm confusing it with. Oh,
0: okay yeah that that'd yeah. be about right with the way the media spin things even back then no. but um yeah no yeah. i remember it was uh danny was saying that he was walking he was in a red light district or in a nightclub precinct or something like that and, you know i mean right. half of the people walking around you were on bloody tablets and god knows whatever else yeah 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 and 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 yet the, the police decided to arrest a fellow who wasn't, didn't display no signs of public intoxication for wearing a T-shirt. But yeah. that's, that's, uh, you know, the moral police. And then there was the, um, what was that group? Something or another for Jesus, you know, people for Jesus or what have you, you know, the evangelical yeah. people or something. And, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I think, I think that spurred a lot of people to a lot of young fans to buy the T-shirt because they were just really fed up with a lot of this evangelism. I- Totally, yeah. I mean, ev- evangelism that was going on. Sorry, go for it. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I mean, a lot of people bought the T-shirt, not not having a clue who we were. Um, you know, they just thought it was a cool t-shirt, and it and it was. I agree. You know, it was a cool t-shirt, and uh, it did what it was supposed to do, which was just to be offensive for the sake of it. And there was a, you know, there was a deeper message behind it, although we didn't necessarily know it at the time. But just the idea of, you know, it wasn't fuck God, it was fuck your God. Whatever it is you're holding up, whatever it is that you're, um, you know, obviously it was aimed at, you know, Christianity. But whatever it is that you're idolizing and treating as you know your your reason for being. Fuck that too, you know. And I think people liked it. You know, people liked that sort of anarchic, you know. And it was big. We like we we uh, asked the printer how big can you put it on the back of the t-shirt. It was literally to the millimeter as big as we could get it printed on the back of a t-shirt. You know. Um, so, uh,
0: I mean, that kicked it. I've seen. I mean, everybody's in the scene has seen the t-shirts that came after that, but that was probably the first to do that.
1: Uh, yes, definitely to do it so blatantly. I mean, you know, people had had offensive t-shirts, you know, metal bands had had, you know, gore on their t gore pictures and things on their t-shirts and offensive slogans down the sleeve or, you know, whatever. But I think, I think we were the first to do like, right, let's do this as big as we can possibly do it. Black t-shirt, white letters, big slogan on the back. You know, I think that was, we were the first to do it so blatantly. Um, People liked it, whatever way you know. It certainly uh, caused a stir, and uh, you know, yeah, good, gave us uh, you know gave us gave us a good launching platform, you know. And uh, like, I was always pleased that the feedback we got was that uh, people saw the t shirt and thought, "Fuck, I better check this band out," and came and weren't disappointed that we were just some shit band that had a good idea for a t shirt, you know which always pleased me because I never thought we were a shit band. I always thought, you know, it was, we were, you know, we always had um, good, good people in the band, you know, not everyone who's played in the band has been a world-class musician in terms of their technical ability, but <clears throat> in terms of their creativity and in terms of their commitment and dedication and <clears throat> understanding what metals about and what rebellion is about what you know rebellion of youth and all that stuff totally committed and everyone was like bang up for it you know and um so I always thought we were a good band you know for for a lot of different reasons and it was it was always good feedback to have someone who came along for the t-shirt and realized there was more to it than that you know
0: yeah and, and it's a, it's a good point that you raised there, because I certainly feel this way, and I know a lot of people feel this way, that you should have been honoured through the re-release of Dusk and Her Embrace, you know, the original Sin version that came out in 2016 yeah, uh, yeah. or 17, one of those two years. I've only listened more. to it once, I've got to say. Yeah. Um, and, and the one of the main reasons I haven't gone back and, and revisited it and uh, attempted to really dive in and understand the difference between that version and the Music for Nations version is because you guys yeah. were honoured on it, and, and you should have been.
1: Right. Do you have well, a I, I, uh, I, I have no axe to grind. Go and listen to it, man. You know, I'm proud of it. You know, it was a great record. Um, you know, and for a long time, it was the best thing I'd done, you know. Uh, and um, I was, yeah, I was really happy with it. And it was a real shame to, to me. I think it's a real shame the band broke up how it did because we'd done the best record we'd ever done, you know. Um, and I mean, it, equally, the one that came out, um totally biased totally my opinion i listened to it a couple of times and thought it's not as good as our version but obviously i would i would think that you know but um uh, so yeah go and have a listen to it man you know um i don't <laughs> i don't know if i receive I, I do receive some royalties for that so go and buy it by all means oh but you do okay equally, well, that's different? Yeah, then, for I that mean? one i do yeah but um equally uh you know i you know i don't make good money out of it so you know go and pirate it if you like as far as i'm concerned i'm not encouraging anyone to go and break the law but i don't care everyone has my permission to go and you know record it and listen to it and you know it's all good by me you know
0: but i'm gonna i'm gonna raise this at danny tonight because both both that re-release and the re-release remixing and uh, remistressing he called it of yeah and the beast when we stop because he's the only band member still he's the only member still in the group from those two lineups What what would have been fantastic was to get do some videos with yourself, yeah, your brother, Paul, yeah, uh, allender just talking about it, talking about yeah. the writing, the construction of the songs, because you guys wrote the songs. Yeah, no one
1: ever asked me. No, no one yeah. ever asked me about it. Like that would have been, yeah, it could have been interesting. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um I mean it's it's one thing for me to ask you the questions, but it's another thing oh. for I have a limited audience because I'm just me and I don't have a machine behind me. But uh, when you yeah. start talking about nuclear blast, that's a completely different story. Uh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Biggest metal label at the moment, and uh, yeah. I think were they behind the 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 original sin re release or was that Cacophonous? I suppose Cacophonous. Oh yeah, too. no,
1: that was Cacophonous. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, at
0: least it got a broad release. Anyway, they must have licensed it yeah. to somewhere and knew what they were doing in terms of getting uh, it out
1: there. I, I don't know. Someone, someone said, is this all right with you? And I said, well, give me some money and <laughs> I'll be all right about it. <laughs> and they gave me some money and that was it, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, it's, I don't know the ins and outs of it, to be honest, man, you know. Yeah. Um, no, all good. So, yeah, um,
0: all good. But it, it sounds, this conversation has been interesting in that I know you're the member that I've spoken to that's been out of the band now the longest, over 25 odd years or so. Yeah, but of course I'm not getting any, and and I've got to say I didn't get an overwhelming sense of resentment. That's not quite the right word with the ex-members, but yeah, it's that sense that things could have been very different. And I am hearing that with yourself, with you. But yeah, yeah, I'm I'm also getting the impression that you're sort of looking back very fondly of, of a time in your
1: life, oh yeah, and a
0: time in your youth.
1: Totally, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. It was, um, <clears throat> it was like uh, uh, splitting up with a great girlfriend, you know? It's like, you know, when it was good, it was fucking brilliant, you know? And then it wasn't, and then it was over, and there was a load of shouting and arguing, and that was 25 years ago. But I still, you know, yeah, I look back on it and think, yeah, it was some really good times, you know? Um, some good things. And I learned a lot, you know? And I learned uh, as a musician, as an artist, as well as a person, you know, from those experiences, you know? And um, I'm I'm getting back into music now. I don't know uh, if uh, I, I don't think I've said to you any, anything about it, but I, over lockdown, I like after Blood Divine, I played in a couple of other bands, and you know, nearly nearly got things going with them, but for one reason or another, nothing ever really sort of uh, got done. You know, working with people that there's always one person in a band that stops it from getting done, and I just got fucked off with it, and I was like bollocks to this I'm not earning any money out of it and there's a lot of hard work and I'm not enjoying it anymore so I just uh, down tools and went in other directions um, but over lockdown um, I had nothing to do for <laughs> for an extended period of time And uh, so I sat down, I've always kept up like uh, sound engineering and making noises, just out of interest, you know, just um, sort of uh, playing with synthesizers and um, audio recording equipment and whatever, just for fun, just because I'm a geek and I just enjoy playing with stuff, you know. So I've always sort of known how to do the stuff. And over lockdown, I thought I'm going to just write a tune, just see what happens and I really enjoyed it. I felt it was like back in the day and I was really satisfied with it. And what came out was really cool. And I was really happy with it. Um, and I said to a friend of mine um, who our paths never crossed musically. We became friends after I'd stopped playing in bands. He was, he'd already been, excuse me, playing in metal bands. Um, and he always said, oh, I wish you were still playing. Cause I'd love to play in a band with you. So I sent him this recording and said, well, like, do you know do what you like with it you know like i'm not going to tell you give you any guidance whatsoever here's a, it was kind of it's an ambient thing you know it's kind of it's, it's got rhythm and structure to it but there's no drums on it there's no guitars on it it's all keyboards and ambient and i, I was like go for it do what you like and what he came back with was sort of uh nine inch nails-y, industrially a bit sort of drum and bassy um it was really interesting and i was like yeah it's fucking really good man so um I wrote some more tunes, I just carried on writing and uh, kept sending them to my friend uh, Simon and he kept sending them back. And there's another guy I've started working with, Andrew, um, who I've done the same thing with. And there's like, of these songs, some of them there's like four or five different versions with different people that have done different bits and, you know, um, whatever. So I've I've ended up with uh, now um, an album's worth of material. I'm just finishing off an album's worth of material um which i'm i'm hoping someone wants to put out i haven't spoken to anyone about it at, at this point but um i'm just sort of doing the final mixes now of uh of it's uh, it's 11 tracks um but one of them is maybe not going to get re- released for other reasons and it, it might get kept back but um I mean, in total, there's like 25 different recordings, you know, of which there's like 11 songs. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, so I'm I'm just sort of adding the the final things to it. And if no one wants to release it, like I'm going to approach some, once I've got a finished mix or at least a, you know, sort of finished collection of these tracks, I'm going to approach some record companies and see if anyone wants to release it. And if they don't, I'll just put it out for free on Bandcamp or SoundCloud or whatever, you know, whatever platform. What's the name of the project? it's oblivion but under a kaleidoscope so if you go to obuk.com um you'll see like there's a holding page there at the moment there's no music there okay. um but uh, that's where i'm gonna be sort of uh, putting some stuff up um and uh, yeah go there i was fiddling with the website stuff the other day so if you go there and it's not working let me know because it's, it's you know fresh up there um yeah,
0: we'll
1: do. yeah. 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 um, um So, and also, also another thing by pure, by pure accident I've fallen into, I'm producing an EP for someone, Um, a a friend of mine, and it's nothing to do with metal at all. It's it's completely like uh, unrelated, but uh, a friend of mine, she's a great singer and uh, she wrote this song. Well, she came along to do some stuff on the Oblivion stuff. She came along to do some backing vocals and just do a few melodies and stuff uh, on, what I'm doing. And she heard it and, uh, she was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really digging this. Could you produce a track for me? Like I've written the song, but I've got no idea about recording technology. Could you produce something? Um, so, and it's kind of, um, it's kind of like, uh, every, everyone who's heard it has said to me, it's kind of got the vibe of like a smoke smoky '40s jazz club to it. You know, there's like Hammond organ on it and acoustic drums and like upright bass and you know, like, And she's a fantastic singer and she's definitely got a voice of like Janis Joplin or, you know, um, you know, like real proper bluesy, soulful, awesome singer. So, yeah. So and we did this one track just because she helped me out, did some vocals for me. So I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll I'll do a track for you. And she's now got a record company that want to release that track, but they want me and her to do another uh, five tracks for it. They're going to put it out as an EP. So I started work on that this week. It's going to be a while before anything anything happens with that, but um, right. uh, so Ella fun, Hayes, Ella Hayes is her name. Um, Go for so it. she's back on, in the game, mate. Back yeah, I know, side. I know. By by accident, I know. I thought, you know, I thought it was it was all done and dusted, um, but uh, apparently not. You know, <laughs> I keep saying to people, I thought I'd retired, but it turns out it was just a really long holiday. You know. Um, yeah. So here I am, you know, and I'm really enjoying it again, you know. And that's that's the main thing, you know, is that the I stopped enjoying it, so I stopped doing it, and I'm really getting into it now. I'm really enjoying what I'm doing, and I'm you know really sort of uh, feeling uh, feeling uh, like I'm expressing myself, and I'm really getting that creative outlet that that has has been missing for a long time. You know, it's not been missing. I haven't felt like I've missed it, but now it's back. I'm thinking, yeah, no, I've, I've really, you know, I'm really enjoying this, you know. So, yeah,
0: I, I meant to ask this question earlier, but um, what, yeah. what are your recollections of working with uh Robert uh, McGooligan? I think his name is the fellow that oh, Mags, at, yeah, um, Mags
1: yeah. uh, oh, Mags is a fucking brilliant guy, yeah. <clears throat> How do you know about Mags?
0: Oh, I just I know that he well, it's he produced the album, and I thought, yeah, uh,
1: yeah, yeah, he, he's worked with loads of people because loads of people went to Academy Studios, yeah, like, um, uh, and, yeah. and my yeah. bride, and yeah, like loads of people went through academy at, at, at that period. Yeah, no, Max is a brilliant bloke. Um, he's good engineer. He's really laid back. He's a good guitarist as well. You know, like it's uh, you know he knows he knows about music. He's not just an engineer. Mm. Um, just, I say just an engineer. You know, that's a cool thing to be as well. You know, but uh, but he can you know he, he's a, he's a musician as well. Um, I've got nothing but excellent things to say about Mags. You know, he, he's an, uh, a pleasure to work with. He's so laid back. He knows what he's doing and he's so confident in what he's doing that there's no stress because he knows what's going to happen next. He knows that if there's a problem, it will get solved. And, you know, yeah.
0: Nice so, to be around
1: somebody like that, isn't it? Yeah. Totally, totally, totally. i I'd, I'd record with Mags every day of the week, you know. Um, I don't know what he's up to. I haven't spoken to him since Blood Divine Day. So, you know, it must be 20 years since I spoke to Mags um
0: yeah he's on my but, register uh, of people i want to chat to actually oh, is he, he? he and kit wolven yeah kid who of course right who, who um who produced the version of dusk that you were on
1: uh that was uh zach bajon so zach bajon. Um, okay yeah um so formerly of lion's heart and witch finder general Although there's some controversy about how involved with which Finder general he how involved he was yeah um so and I'm not going to comment on whose story is you know the correct story or whatever but I, as far as I was aware he was you know sort of proper member of which Finder general um and uh, yeah he's produced uh, he produced one of the Bausagoff albums um and uh, but I, again I haven't spoken to him for years so so I don't know what he's up to now. Um, uh, And also uh, Who's the guy Who's the guy Andy something Snape No No Um, There was a guy Came down For part of that session Who uh, Was uh, Allegedly And and I've got no reason To doubt it um, Was an Amazing Mix engineer um, Came down For part of that session I don't know how much He did how involved he was, how much credit he deserves. So I'm not saying he did loads. I'm not saying he did nothing. I don't know. Um, but Andy, God, what was his name? He worked with. He worked with some really mainstream people, as far as I, I can remember. He's. Uh, um, this is a rumor. <laughs> a so Love this rooms. is not me saying it. <laughs> this is what this is what I've heard. So I don't know if it's true or not. But I hear he was on the Bender. You know Jason Donovan in back in the day like got into i'm, I'm
0: australian like, of course we know jason right oh, you're so, British, so, so you know him probably better than i do
1: but <laughs> well this is the, i don't know how big he is in australia i know he's a household name over here but back yeah. in the day he got into drugs and he had i don't know if he had an overdose or what the situation was but he had you know he had a, a bad turn and apparently andy was out with him that night um and they'd been working on jason donovan's record that day oh, wow. so you know, so, but I don't know. Again, it's a rumour. I don't know. Andy didn't tell me that. It was other people that told me that. So, you know, who knows? Um,
0: Good old Jason Donovan bringing back to my yeah. old days. It's the only time I ever watched Neighbours, I think, was when he was like, when was, when was, like, <laughs> like a 10 and 11 years of age.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't, I can't to be to a, a bit of a, Jason and Kylie. <laughs> I,
0: I, I used to go to a boarding school and uh, it was, you know, it was a rugby and cricket playing boarding school. So we used to get a lot of uh, fellow boarding schools from the UK come out. And yeah. we'd be about, just for the nature of things, about three to six months ahead of where you guys right. were in terms of watching Neighbours. So they would sit transfixed and just go, oh, my God, that happened and this happened and they join <laughs> all these dots. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing had happened with the Kiwis when they'd come over as well.
1: Right, right.
0: But, yeah, yeah. Jason Donovan, there's there's a name. It's part of our just enmeshed in our childhoods and our early teenage years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There yeah. we go. Yeah, no, I'll definitely try yeah. and talk to... to so, Andrew, did you say, sorry, what was the fellow's name? Sorry, he said? Andy something. Andy something. I don't know. Okay.
1: If you can speak to Zach, Zach will know. Zach Bajon will know what the, what the guy's name is. And Zach will also know how much involvement he had. He was there for a few days. How much work he did or not, I don't know. But um, yeah, that was. Uh,
0: and the other one was uh, Andrea Meyer, who just passed away. Oh, has killed. she? She was killed no way. in a terrorist attack. No way. Yeah, in uh Fuck, man. Yeah, Fuck. sorry what was if that? that's if you're mates with yeah. me and you just oh yeah, no,
1: we were mates, yeah. Um I mean again, I say mates, we haven't again we haven't spoken since back in the day, but yeah, no, I was going great with Andrea. Uh
0: 13th what happened? of October, she was killed. Yeah, Fuck, was, some some Islamic convert psychopath decided to go and perform a terrorist attack, if that's the right way of fucking describing it. Mate. Yeah.
1: So, uh, shit.
0: You know, uh, yeah. I, I think he was a, either either a, a Belgian or a Danish national. Uh, not throwing a right. nation under the bus there, but I'm just yeah. from my recollections and not having it up here. But yeah. uh, he converted and um, apparently they're, they're describing it as a terrorist attack. So the poor wow. lady suffered yeah uh, through that. So uh, yeah, you obviously were you, you knew her. I'm sorry that I'm breaking yeah. the news to you now. Man. Yeah, I'm no, sure no. Well, yeah.
1: how how were you to know, man? But uh, yeah, no. I'm fuck. I'm shocked. That's yeah,
0: uh, but yeah, I mean, your you memories of working with Is it an appropriate time to talk about that now? You want to leave that side? Uh,
1: yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, working with Andrea was cool, you know. Um, she, uh, in terms of the actual work, we didn't spend that much time in the studio together. I was, I was always there for everything that was recorded with Cradle, like when I was in the band. I was always there for every session, every day um i might have had the odd day off here and there but basically i was there and dan you know me and dan were there like you know from the pre-production through you know recording all the guide tracks through to mixing um uh so uh we weren't always involved in the technical side of things but we were always about to to stick our all in and give our opinion on it you know mm. um and uh yeah so uh, andrea wasn't in the studio that much she was only on in terms of the albums i was on she was uh, only on principle i don't think she was on any other stuff but we went some parties together and stuff as well you know so uh you know and she did uh, she did a couple of gigs with us as well you know um so i knew her you know we were we were mates you know um but uh, uh but yeah no, I, I know nothing bad to say about her really you know she was she was cool um, interesting person, you know, got a, a really well read and uh, really sort of knowledgeable about all sorts of interesting things and always an interesting conversation to be had, you know. So she, she
0: went on to do some pretty interesting stuff. She married Samoth. She from, uh, oh, Emperor, did she? apparently, yeah. go, going by what they're just looking here, I'm, I've got the Google page up here now, actually. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Mary Samoth, she was in Satiricon as well. I'm, pr- I'm fairly confident. I heard
1: that, yeah, I heard something but, about that.
0: But on, on the Kit Wolven version of Dusk, I think that's her voice on there. I don't think is it's it? Sarah's. Look, I could. Hey, look, this is the problem is that you see things written and you're not sure who's bloody yeah. put it up there and what the motivation is. Well,
1: on the version of Dusk I was on, there was two vocalists. There was Sarah and there was Danny. Um, uh, and I can't remember uh, Danny's surname. Um I can't remember Sarah's surname, but I should do because I know Sarah really well, and it's just it's just fallen out of my oh, head. Oh wow. well. Um, Actually, I've got a yeah, Je- Jezebel Diva, she goes out under and so but just um,
0: before I forget, I would I would also love to speak to your brother. I don't know. I, I've messaged okay. him and uh you know I've done it by Facebook Messenger, which is probably the worst way to do it because it's there's a lot of spam in there. He's but- a
1: nightmare to get hold of, man. Seriously, oh, really? I can't okay. get him. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's really busy, and he's you know he works for um, I don't know they've changed their name recently, but it was part of a, it was the agency group, yeah. and then they changed to United Talent Agency. And I don't know if it's changed since that. But anyway, he's an agent, and he's just constantly busy and flying all over the place. Not so much over the last couple of years, but I still haven't been able to go and see him because we've been locked down. You know, he's
0: like
1: yeah. <laughs> even when he's not working, I haven't been able to go over his house. You know, so um, but yeah, no, he's a nightmare to get hold of. But uh, I will I will uh, talk to i to talk to him this week anyway. So I will say to him that we've had a chat and uh, nudge him in your direction.
0: Yeah, thanks, um, mate. Yeah, when you can tell it. So I'm just a fan. I'm just someone who's curious. I'm not yeah, interested man. in the clickbait bullshit. I'm just trying to get to the okay. I mean, and ask questions. So.
1: Sure, um, man. Yeah, no. I'm. I'm also happy to. I'm in touch with uh, Darren Garden, who was the first drummer. Yeah, and um, Was, who was the William Sargentson. Um, who was the second motives. drummer in Cradle. If you can um, connect me to I, these
0: people who are... I can,
1: I can certainly say to them, we've had a chat and it was cool and, you know, you'd be interested in talking to them. Whether they want to or not, I don't know, but, you know, I'll certainly of say to them now. Yeah.
0: yeah, look, Sarah's um, already said thanks but no thanks in um, probably more right. <laughs> direct terms than I've just described there. She wasn't rude to me at right. all. She did have a conversation with me over email, but she's not yeah. interested, which is a shame, yeah. which is a bloody yeah. shame because uh, it would be fantastic to obtain her insight, but the other members yeah. you just spoke about there, Darren Gardner, uh, yeah. your brother, I'm trying to get a hold of your, your uh, successor twice removed in Les, uh, which yeah. is, uh, which has been a real challenge, but he was on cruelty. So it's almost essential that I talk yeah. to him uh, for the <laughs> right. picture about things, but yeah. mate, I'll, yeah. I'll wrap things up. I just want to say, look, the fact that you've, you've, you've allowed me to ask the questions. I truly appreciate it.
1: It's all good, man. It's all good. Yeah.
0: Thanks man. Cool. No worries. Nice one. All right. It.
1: Enjoy it. It's early in the morning for you, isn't it? So enjoy your day.
0: Thanks, mate. You enjoy your evening.
1: (laughs) Cheers, man. See you later. Thanks, mate. Catch you.
0: Wow. Well, there you have it. That was a conversation that I never thought would take place, but just did. That was Ben Ryan, who was in Cradle of Filth in the early 90s, appearing on all three demos and the group's debut, the one that kicked it all off, The Principle of Evil Made Flesh. As I discussed with Ben, nobody was playing keyboards in Cradle of Filth before him. He's the foundation keyboard player and indeed a foundation member of the band. So in terms of my mission to have a chat with all of the group's 90s members, that's a significant milestone I've just achieved then. Thank you so much, Ben, for coming onto the show. Now then, for you, the audience, if you like that chat, there are many more just like it over at scarsandguitars.com. If you could like, subscribe and share, I'd appreciate it as well. And even better, if you could leave a nice comment, I'd appreciate it. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. Until next time, it's a very goodbye for now.